Welcome to the Albin Touch, formerly God and Country. Welcome to the beginning of 2021 and the reboot of this show. You're going to notice some changes here, the first obviously being the name of the show. The Albin Touch is the name of my blog that I've had for several years and even used to script various segments of this show in the past. It is now the corresponding blog of this show where I'll be scripting not segments, but entire episodes of the show moving forward. You may wonder why I chose to change the name of the podcast. The reason is research. I did some research and found that there were several podcasts with God and Country in their names. I don't want my podcast to get lost in the mix, so I decided it needed a new name that would definitively set it apart from all other podcasts. I doubt if I need to worry about any other podcast out there being called The Albin Touch. Both the blog and the podcast were abruptly suspended in the autumn of 2019. I had suffered my whole life with an affliction that had never been officially diagnosed. Seasonal depression. A little over a year ago, I began being depressed and angry. That's when I suspended my show and my blog. I asked myself a hard but important question. What the hell is wrong with me? That's when I got on my computer and started looking into all of this. I listed the symptoms and time of year, my mood, all of it. The most likely possibility which showed up time after time was seasonal depression. So I started reading up on it. The information gave me an odd sense of relief. At least, I'm not a total nut job, just a part-time nut job. It's like a temp job you really don't want to go to. Eventually, I ran across an article that listed various types of therapy used to combat seasonal depression. The two that stood out for me were light therapy and talk therapy. Light therapy stood out because I'm a factory worker by day. I'm under bright lights all day, and they don't seem to help. So, obviously, it's a particular light in the spectrum. I decided to put off doing any research into that and look for a good way to reboot this show. I still have a long way to go to make it the show I want it to be, but I believe I'm ready to start up again, and what better time than in the throes of this season? This show can act as my talk therapy. I was going to launch last spring, but then came the lockdowns, which, I might add, were completely unconstitutional. Personally, I think a group of citizens should come together and sue the federal government and the governments of the states, with the obvious exception of South Dakota. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful of the Trump administration, but a lot of what Trump did early on was calamitous. The very first acts should have been to suspend all travel to and from China, including disallowing our own people to come back from there until it was safe. Then suspend all trade with China for the duration. Also, he should never have followed the advice of that wolf in sheep's clothing, Tony Fauci. I could go on and on about this. Moving forward with this show, I'll be talking about events happening in the world around us, some you may be aware of, some you may not. I'll also talk about thoughts I've had, things affecting me personally. Plus, I intend to add a segment to the show that I'll call Let's Talk, where I'll sit down with regular, everyday people and just talk about whatever comes up, be it faith, politics, or the latest trends. I'm still working on the particulars on that one. If there's something you'd like to bring to my attention... Or if you just want to say hi, feel free to go to anchor.fm forward slash Ron Albin. Click on the message button and record a voice message to me. Don't be shy. 
If you have something to say, I'd like to hear it, even if it's contradictory to my ideals. After all, this is what freedom in general is all about. Agree to disagree and move on. In the past, I advertised my affiliation with a company whose name I'll not mention. I am no longer with that particular company because of their close ties to communist China. My affiliation with them weighed heavily on my conscience because I don't feel that any patriotic American should be in any way connected to an enemy of the American people. Make no mistakes, China is not our friend and never will be. I have a new affiliation these days and I'm looking for others. I'll, you'll be hearing... I have a new affiliation these days and I'm looking for others. You'll be hearing more about it during this episode, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Again, welcome to the show. There's been a lot of racial division in this country since the very beginning. It's true, and it probably will be that way to some degree until the second coming. But it doesn't have to be as prevalent as it seems to be now. It'll take a good bit of effort to make things right, but it is doable. To me, the first thing that should be done is to re-identify ourselves. For instance, I used to proudly proclaim to anyone and everyone that I'm an Irish American. What I didn't stop to think about, it didn't even dawn on me. I was dividing myself from a vast majority of Americans. Then one day I heard someone on the radio complaining to the program's host that he's sick and tired of hearing about hyphenated Americans. We should all just identify as an American, he said. He went on to say that no legal citizen of the United States should identify as anything other than simply an American. Don't put race first. Don't put religion first. Don't put sexuality first. Just an American. Not white American. Not black or African American. Not Mexican American or Cuban American, what have you. And let's be honest, if you were born in the USA, you're not an African American. You're not Mexican American. You're not Cuban American. You're an American. Period. I'm reminded of a time when Oprah interviewed Raven Simone. Oprah questioned Raven about her sexuality and when did she know what she was. Raven told her around the age of 12. Did you have a word for it? Oprah asked. Because when you're younger, I don't think you even have language for what it is. Raven's initial answer was commendable. She said, I don't need language. I don't need a categorizing statement for it. Oprah pressed, so you don't want to be labeled as gay? I don't want to be labeled as gay, Raven confirmed. I want to be labeled a human who loves humans. I'm tired of labels, she said. Then she dropped a bombshell that I believe to threatened to sweep Oprah right out of her seat. She told Oprah, I'm an American. I'm not an African American. I'm an American. Oh, girl, Oprah responded, muttered something about setting Twitter on fire, something of that nature. The thing is, though, they both survived any blowback that came of that. That took a lot of courage, integrity, and honesty on Raven's part. That's what we need a lot more of in this country, people with those qualities. Not just blacks, but also whites, Hispanics, Asiatics, Jews, even native peoples of every tribe. People used to say, can't we all just get along? There's really no one answer to that. As long as we allow the divisions of race, class, religion, sexuality, etc., we will never be able to get along. The first thing we need to do to stop these divisions is to stop dividing ourselves from each other. Stop putting our personal identity ahead of our national identity. This pretty much goes along with what George Washington said in his farewell address when he chose to retire from public life. One of the several warnings he gave 
was that if Americans put personal interests ahead of the interests of the country, there would be division and we would lose our country. Stop and ask yourself, who is it that's always saying, oh, we're for this group, oh, we're for that group? These politicians are separating America into special interest groups instead of uniting us. Rather than unification, they work toward diversity. They speak of diversity like it's a good thing, but it's not. America is supposed to be the great melting pot, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. But America these days reminds me of a person suffering from multiple personality disorder, constantly at odds with themselves. It shouldn't be like this, and it wouldn't be except for partisan politics. Now certain politicians would like to make the claim of systemic racism, but that's complete and utter BS. If the whole system is racist, which is what systemic racism means, how do you explain such success stories as Jackie Robinson, B.B. King, Muhammad Ali, um, Barack Obama? If systemic racism is a thing, none of those successes would have been possible. CNN's Don Lemon, a black man, once asked the great Morgan Freeman, yet another black man, do you think race plays a part in wealth distribution? Freeman asked, today? When Lemon affirmed that he meant in modern times, Freeman said bluntly, no, no I don't. He went on to say, you and I are proof of it. Why would race have anything to do with it? In another instance, rapper Lil Wayne was being interviewed by Skip Bayless on Undisputed. If you're like me, you have no idea what Undisputed is or was. I had to look it up and it turns out Undisputed was a daily two and a half hour sports debate show. I believe it's now defunct. Why a co-host of that show would be interviewing a rapper about his views rather than an athlete about his or her practice habits, for instance, is beyond me. But anyway, Bayless asked Lil Wayne, where are we in the United States of America in race, race relations in what, what you see day to day in your life? Lil Wayne, in his usual nonchalant manner, said bluntly, Skip, they wouldn't want, me, they wouldn't want to ask me that. They wouldn't want my answer to represent it because God knows I have been nothing but blessed. My whole path, my, these 33 years, have been nothing but a blessing. I haven't and I have never, and never is a strong word, never dealt with racism. And I'm glad I didn't have to. He was later reminded about an instance when he said he once looked out at the audience during one of his performances and the only black face he saw was his makeup artist. A lot of white kids love rap, the host stated. Explain that, he challenged. What does that say to you? What's the message of it? What's the bigger picture of it? The rapper hesitated a second and then said, I don't want to, I don't want to be bashed because I don't want to sound like I'm on the wrong if there is a side, but I thought that was clearly a message that there's no such thing as racism. Personally, and I would like to point this out to Lil Wayne, there obviously is racism, but it isn't as big, bad, and scary as the media and certain politicians would have us believe. And by media, I mean entertainment elites as well. Let's face it, they're all just in it to play you. And if you didn't know by now, let me be the first to tell you, they are all just in it to play you. Stop paying attention to them. If they see their effect is losing its grip, well, they're probably going to ramp up their efforts. But when you start pushing back and it hurts their bank accounts, They'll start looking at their whole cards. Eventually, they will change, but you have to stand strong against them. Now, for those of you engaged in or backing the Black Lives Matter movement, stop. 
The vast majority of non-blacks know that black lives matter. That includes glow-in-the-dark whites like me. Most of the people who don't understand that black lives matter are, well, black. If over 90% of inner-city blacks murdered are murdered by other blacks, that tells me that black lives matter more to non-blacks than to many blacks. There are two things that make me question the validity of your concerns regarding whether black lives matter or not. First is the rate of black-on-black -black violence. If you really believe that your lives matter, stop killing off your race. Stop the violence, period. Second, stop killing your unborn children. According to the last stats I recall, over 50% of abortions in this country are accounted for in the black community. The black community only accounts for about 16% of the U.S. population. If you stop killing each other and your unborn children, guess what? You wouldn't be such a minority anymore. Your race would be on a more equal footing with my race. No more victimhood. Wait. Maybe you believe the lies that you need the government's help to get by, but you don't. Government ruins everything it's given power over. For 50 years they've had power over the black community and the result is devastating. The war on poverty has made more blacks poor. The war on drugs has had a two-fold effect on the black community. One, more blacks are addicts. Two, more blacks are involved in the drug trade. Government even took an official stand for a short time against unwed motherhood. Note that I said for a short time. Note that I said for a short time. But it was long enough to have an effect on the black community where 60% or more of black babies are born to single mother households. It's time to stop turning to the government and start turning to and embracing your community. And now that we're on the subject of community, America is one big community. All of us, every race, creed and color and we all need to stop turning against each other and start turning to each other it's called survival there's strength in numbers and our strength depends on standing together for this segment i turn to technocracy.news let's start with a story with a rather lengthy title mercola whistleblowers claim pandemic is the greatest hoax ever perpetuated on the human race long title and long article but one that makes you think the writer, Joseph Mercola, cites pathologists, virologists, and CEOs with PhDs. In other words, people in the know. So before you cry that it's just an opinion, you need to understand that Dr. Mercola's article is centered on the education and knowledge that he and those he cites holds. It's based on fact, not fear. Speaking of pathologists, virologists, and CEOs with PhDs, Mercola first cited Dr. Roger Hodkinson. Hodkinson is both a pathologist and a virologist in Canada. In fact, he is one of Canada's top pathologists. He is also the CEO of Western Medical Assessments, which is a biotech company in Canada, one of the companies that manufactures COVID-19 PCR tests. He's apparently not a fan, and with good cause, basing his judgment not only on his education, but also on knowledge gained from years of working in the scientific field. He says, open quote, masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence base for their effectiveness whatsoever. Paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtue signaling. They're not even worn effectively most of the time. 
It's utterly ridiculous seeing these unfortunate, uneducated people, I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense, seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge base to put the mask on their face. Nothing could be done to stop the spread of the virus besides protecting older, more vulnerable people, close quote. Nor is Dr. Hodkinson alone in his assessment. Michael Yeadon, Ph.D., is a former vice president and chief scientific advisor of the pharmaceutical company Pfizer. Dr. Yeadon called out the statistics and the claim that there is an ongoing pandemic as false. Along with other scientists, doctors, and researchers, he claims there are no higher number of deaths due to COVID-19. He claims that approximately 1,700 people die each and every day in the UK under normal circumstances, and that there has been no excess in numbers of deaths this past year. What has happened instead is that many of the deaths have been falsely attributed to the virus. As many of us on the right have learned, the CDC here in America advised healthcare workers that whenever someone dies, if they're carrying the virus, to list it as a COVID death, no matter how they died. In fact, I recall a story of a man who died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. I believe this was in Florida. Yet when the coroner listed the cause of death, it was attributed to COVID. Now, he may have had COVID. He may have even killed himself after having been diagnosed with it. But that is not what killed him, unless he changed his name to COVID. Yeadon and Hodkinson Mercola writes, are both concerned that the laws of immunology are being ignored in favor of some hidden agenda. Dr. Mercola says that agenda is the technocratic takeover of the entire world, and there may be something to that, considering the fact that the big tech companies all gather information about each and every one of us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. Something that I found to be especially interesting is that a group of attorneys in Germany have formed what they're calling the German Corona Extra Parliamentary Inquiry Committee. Mercola wrote that they're now preparing the largest class action lawsuit in history in which their goal is to prove that fraudulent PCR tests are being misused to engineer the appearance of a dangerous pandemic. They have two key questions for which they are wanting to get answers by judicial means. Those two questions are, one, is there a COVID-19 pandemic or is there only a polymerase chain reaction PCR test pandemic? In other words, does a positive test result mean that the individual is infected with SARS-CoV-2 and has COVID-19, or does it mean absolutely nothing in connection with the COVID-19 infection? Two, do the pandemic response measures such as lockdowns, mask mandates, social distancing, and quarantine regulations serve to protect the world's population from COVID-19, or do they serve only to make people panic and therefore comply with liberty-eroding edicts? Reiner Fuhlmich, uh, one of the lawyers on the committee, said, open quote, this corona crisis, according to all we know today, must be renamed a corona scandal, and those responsible for it must be criminally prosecuted and sued for civil damages, close quote. Fuelmitch's team 
stresses the point that SARS-CoV-2 has not caused an excess of deaths, the same point that Dr. Yeadon stressed in the UK. Folks, this is nothing more than fear-mongering at its finest. We've had plenty of pandemic scares in recent history, none of which panned out, but the technocrats were only learning. This time, they've, they had everything in place, and everyone did their job. They stoked your fear and led you around by your emotions. When the World Health Organization first announced COVID-19 to be a pandemic, the first words out of my mouth were, they shouldn't have done that. I was told that yes, they should have. I'm still going with no. I somehow innately knew it was a sham. I don't know, maybe my bullcrap detection system was working that day. Now, I'm not saying the virus doesn't exist. It certainly does. But when there is no evidence that it has caused an excess of deaths, it's stupid to think that it's any more dangerous than any other facet of life. I'm sure that right now someone's thinking, I wish you'd just shut up. What do you know about this anyway? Actually, I don't know anything until I do my research, and neither do you. Earlier, I told you what Dr. Hodkinson had to say on the subject of face masks. But now I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Russell Blaylock. Dr. Blaylock has an article on technocracy.news. Blaylock, face masks pose serious health risks to the healthy. Blaylock's name is one I'm, I've been familiar with for months. He was the first doctor I recall hearing of that refuted the call to mask up. Only in recent months have the general population been told to wear masks. Prior to this, people with tuberculosis were told to wear a mask, but not the community around them. People with influenza were told they should stay home, not their neighbors. I can understand freaking out over the virus in the beginning, but by now we have enough information to stop the panic and just continue life as normal. Dr. Blaylock points out that most people who contract the virus either get only mildly ill or not sick at all, known as asymptomatic. Even the CDC tells us that the survival rate is very high for this virus, even higher than for influenza. If you have an underlying health problem or you're above the age of 65 and you believe that getting a vaccine that has not been properly tested is in your best interest, go for it. Do me a favor. Let me know how that works out for you. I mean, if you can. As for whether or not to wear a mask, that decision should be up to you and you alone. Not the media, not the politicians, not the panicky nags in public places. If you're healthy, Dr. Blaylock cautions against the use of masks. Why? Masks cause a reduction in the amount of oxygen you breathe in. This is called hypoxia and is associated with an impairment in immunity. In other words, wearing a mask for several hours a day weakens your immune system. People with some sort of lung disease such as COPD, emphysema, or pulmonary fibrosis, the frail, elderly, and cancer patients aren't being warned about the risks of wearing masks for long periods. Cancer patients, for instance, the masks reduce the amount of oxygen causing micro environments within the body that are oxygen poor. This is ideal for the cancer which can grow and spread more quickly there. Also, something to take into consideration, if a person is infected with a respiratory virus, said common cold, influenza, COVID, 
when they exhale, the viruses are not able to go away from the patient's face. They breathe the viruses back in where they concentrate in the nasal passages, enter into the olfactory nerves, which connect to the part of the brain that deals with recent memory and memory consolidation. If you must wear a face covering of some sort, it would seem best to choose a face shield. But either way, one should not engage in insulting or attacking anyone who chooses not to wear a face covering, as it may well be the wiser choice. Why then are we being told to wear masks? It's not about your health. It's about control. According to John W. Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute, he writes in his article, Whitehead, Psychological Warfare Disguised as a Pandemic Threat, citing science writer David Robson, he quotes Mr. Robson as saying, open quote, Fears of contagion lead us to become more conformist and tribalistic and less accepting of eccentricity. Our moral judgments become harsher and our social attitudes more conservative when considering issues such as immigration or sexual freedom and equality. Daily reminders of disease may even sway our political affiliation. Various experiments have shown that we become more conformist and respectful of convention when we feel the threat of disease. The evocative images of a pandemic-led participants in an experiment to value conformity and obedience over eccentricity or rebellion, close quote. Folks, we've been through all of this before, from the attack on Pearl Harbor to the Red Scare to 9-11. The government's scripted response to these convinces everyday people like you and me to hand over our freedom and our rights willingly in order to be safe. But I'm more likely to see things like some of our founding fathers. For instance, Thomas Jefferson's famous line, I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. Or the words of Benjamin Franklin, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. A more contemporary phrase comes to mind. Be careful what you ask for. You may just get it. The Great Reset. Heard of it? No? I don't even know where to start with this. I guess with Klaus Schwab. Schwab is the founder of the World Economic Forum, which meets once a year in Davos, Switzerland. Not long ago, he was noted as saying that there needed to be a global economic reset to recover from the financial crisis that resulted from the supposed pandemic and to deal with climate change, adding that we would have to reconsider our commitment to capitalism. It sounds to me, folks, like this is a ploy to usher the entire world into global communism. Now, in order for a scheme like this to work, you'll need a governing body, which they've already got. Of course, I'm referring to the United Nations. Ever since I was a young man, which is now far behind me, I've believed this to be the whole purpose behind the creation of the UN. If I'm right, this would be the reason for JFK's statement, open quote, There's a plot in this country to enslave every man, woman, and child. Before I leave this high and noble office, I intend to expose that plot. Close quote. As you might expect, every leftist organization out there is now saying that JFK did not say that. They lie. A video of the speech 
he made one week before his assassination used to be on YouTube and was linked to on various websites. It's now gone. Why is this important? It's important in pointing out that this has been going on for a very long time. How can I be sure the video was there? Because I watched it, I heard the words that he spoke, and why would anyone want to conceal it from public knowledge? For the same reason they're tearing down statues and renaming buildings, streets, and landmarks. They wish to remove the truth of history so that they can remake the world. And that is exactly what the preset or reset proposed by Klaus Schwab is really about. The elite globalists intend to remake or reshape the world so that they, not you, can control your future and your fate. In a previous segment, I told you that doctors Hodkinson and Yeadon were concerned that the laws of immunology were being ignored in favor of a hidden agenda. What if, as Mr. Whitehead suggested, it was a matter of psychological warfare conducted to make us all fear economic disaster and widespread disease and calamity so much that we say, somebody do something to make this right. Do anything. Just keep us from harm. We would thereby surrender ourselves and our loved ones to huge and invasive communistic global government. A government that would dictate that there be no God, no supreme being, because in communism there can be no authority higher than government. The New York Post derides the Great Reset, saying it's not a reset at all, but rather a preset. In an article published December 2nd of last year, written by Dominic Green, it is pointed out that all or nearly all of Joe Biden's proposed cabinet members are former members of the Obama administration, only shuffle, shuffled around a little bit. And why does that matter? It matters because much of the former and present administrations are plugged into the technocratic underpinning of the Great Reset or Preset. Members of the Obama administration went on to work for Google, Facebook, and Twitter, the technology giants. Their loyalty lies not with the Obama administration, but with the groundwork that was set beginning long ago for this time. Obama himself was loyal to that ground. After he left the White House, everybody started talking about the shadow government, calling it Obama's shadow government. But it wasn't Obama's. He actually had little to do with it. In fact, the shadow government, the deep state, the swamp, call it what you want, it's been going on for 150 years. I'll talk more about that in an upcoming episode. Right now, I just think it's important to warn you about what's going on behind your back. We as Americans aren't as free as we always thought we were, and it's about to get a whole lot worse if we don't start taking action. If we're to regain our freedom, it's important that we learn and do everything we possibly can to counter Schwab's Great Reset. Before I end this episode, I'd like to ask a favor from everyone listening. If you know of anyone suffering with seasonal depression, also known as seasonal affective disorder, Please give them a minute of your time. That one minute could be all that stands between them and a meltdown. You may even save a life. Seasonal affective disorder affects roughly 10 million Americans, while 10 to 20% more may have mild form of disorder. If you believe you may be suffering from this disorder, talk to someone. Talk to your spouse, a friend, a co-worker, even your minister. If nothing else, go to anchor.fm forward slash Ron Dash Albin and leave me a voice message. I won't play it on any future episode, but I will reach out to you. 
Neither one of us needs to go through this alone. If you'd like to know more about seasonal affective disorder, check out the National Institute of Mental Health's website at nimh.nih.gov. Thank you. As I bring this episode to a close, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about my new affiliation with Mint Builder. Mint Builder sells and distributes the four precious metals, silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. Honestly, it's never been easier to own a precious metal. Just go to my personal affiliate page at mintbuilder.com forward slash 1002121. Click on Shop Now at the top of the page and then scroll down until you find something you like. You can buy one or 100 depending on what you're looking for and how much you want to spend. You can even get a monthly subscription to Mint Builder at one of several levels. The beauty of joining Mint Builder is that no one ever pressures you to sell anything because Mint Builder believes in one's freedom of choice. If you don't want to join, that's not a problem either. But the reason I joined and the reason I encourage others to join is wholesale pricing. That's right. Mint Builder members who join at the third level or higher are able to buy silver, gold, platinum, and even palladium at 10% below retail price. It's something to think about. I intend to start posting short episodes on occasion. Exactly when that will start or how often, I'm still undecided on. But at least once or twice a week. Now, one of the things that isn't changing on this show is the closing prayer. No matter what the rest of an episode's content is, in the end, it's for the glory of God. The closing prayer will not be scripted because, to me, that's just, that doesn't seem right. Heavenly Father, we are all in trouble, and too few of us will turn to you for help and guidance. I am asking, Lord, that you offer protection to those who turn to you, even in the last moment before disaster. Lord, I also ask that you protect those and guide those who suffer at this time of year. It was once said that you look after drunks and fools, and this time of year produces many of both. And I ask that you not turn your back on either of them, but lead them to a brighter future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For the Alban Touch, I'm Ron Alban. Thank you for listening.